Welcome to Spritz and Scrums, a podcast by three Benetton fans with a love for Aperol and all things Rugby Italiano. New season of the URC, new season of Spritz and Scrums. Benetton have the perfect start and Zebre almost, almost make history. Club Rugby is back. And we're back. We are back. And so is Club Rugby. And Italy's World Cup is over. <laughs> We've been on sabbatical, guys. Um, but we are fresh and ready for season two of Spritz and Scrums and a fresh season of the URC. But yes, since we've been away, Italy are out of the World Cup. Yes, we recorded an episode about it, but then we didn't edit it and release it for unknown reasons. But in summary, Italy's World Cup, a mixed bag. They got 10 points, two bonus point wins, and then got thoroughly thrashed by New Zealand and France. The end was bad. The end was bad, bad, bad. We said it at the time after the New Zealand game. It was it was a one-off, won't happen again. And then the, the following game was pretty much just as painful. So um, I think... We, we dust ourselves off. They take some time out. It's obviously very sad for Kieran. That's the end. But um, I don't think any of us would have said this a few months ago. But I think it's time for a change. And I think it's good that we have a bit of time off now to focus on the joy that club rugby brings us. And we'll see Italy in 2024. One final thing on Italy, though. I won't have people bad-mouthing them the way that people have been doing, saying it was a really disappointing World Cup. They had two disappointing games. But they finished the group with 10 points, two bonus point wins. They didn't fall over or slip over on the Uruguay banana skin. They got bonus points from both the games against Uruguay and Namibia. And then they lost heavily to two teams who you'd expect them to lose heavily to. And in fact, those two teams were so much higher in the world rankings, it didn't even move the needle of points in the world rankings for Italy. Sure, it'd be nice if they did a little bit better. But they scored two tries against New Zealand, which is more than Argentina did. In fact, I think the only teams that have scored tries against New Zealand so far in this World Cup are France, Ireland and Italy. So they're in good company there. Um, so not all doom and gloom. Agreed. It felt worse than maybe overall the picture was. It's the hope that gets you. It is, it is, it is, it is. It is but a scratch. But now Club Rugby is back. <laughs> we're back club rugby is back and eddie said this at the end of the the sort of group stages of the world cup i can't wait for club rugby to be back and it's back what a way to kick it off drama 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 let's jump straight in cardiff versus benetton benetton start their season with a dreaded away game 80 minuti in due minuti and we're off. Benetton's first game of the BKT URC season away at Cardiff Arms Park. And it's Benetton that gets first blood. With nine minutes in, Jacob Umango with a fresh new haircut and designer stubble slotting it from near his own half. Then, Cardiff's captain scores next from a maul at 17 minutes. Benetton are then under pressure, a lot of pressure on their own line, giving away penalty advantage after penalty advantage. Could a yellow card come? But it doesn't matter because Reese Carey squeezes all 130 kilograms of him past a post, 
for the score. 30 minutes in, Benetton are trying everything. They're trying to counter from their own 22, but Rhino Smith coughs the ball up in contact and Ulster gather it and they're in for another. That's 19-3, but... Before the half, Benetton get a penalty. They go to the corner. They get a more. Lucchese is in. After being away for 10 months, his first game back, he's back to scoring in the green and white. Halftime score, Cardiff, 19. Benetton, 10. The second half. And we're off. And Numan goes back to his kicking duties and slots another penalty early on. A brilliant piece of play, 50 minutes in, with a chip through, two smart offloads, puts Riera to score in the corner. But replays show a great covering tackle by the Cardiff number 10 meant he knocked the ball on while trying to score. No try. Then, a Benetton penalty, and Umaga hits the posts. Is it going to be one of those days? Followed by Ulster, three points after a Ukitsi high tackle. But then, a Benetton try. A beautifully weighted kick by Uren, which was plucked out of the air by Thomas Aldenos, and he sprints the distance all the way to put it down for the score. One point game. 78 minutes in, Benetton are at the halfway line. They're attacking. If they lose the ball, it's game over. And then all of a sudden, a horrific high tackle comes in on Simona Ferrari and a red card. A 45 meter kick, and Jacob stands up and he slots it over and Benetton win against Cardiff 23 points to 22 in their opening game of the BKT URC. Very well done, Eddie. Beautiful 80 minutes and two minutes. Excellent work. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a cracker in those that, that second half. Benetton turned it around like I kind of felt like they would. I wasn't sort of desperately worried. I obviously came off the back of watching Zebre, which was desperately frustrating. So I was a bit frustrated in general. We'll talk about Zebre in a minute. But um, I wasn't, even when we were 19-3 down in the first half, it, I don't know, I felt like it was going to be okay. But coach, you didn't. Total bollocks. You never felt like it was going to be okay. You were sitting there so miserably. I was miserable about Zebre and I didn't want Benetton to do what Zebre had just done. Mm. Yeah, it was all falling apart. It was very much an away game, wasn't it, in the first half? We were wondering, the curse is back. And they were just doing everything wrong. The basics were awful. And I was like, this is going to be a long, long night. It was really frustrating because it just looked like they hadn't gelled. And you watch the preseason and you think, oh, they're going to be great. They've beaten Perpignan. They've beaten Ulster. They've beaten Zebre in the preseason. They're on fire. Here they go. And then it was just one of those games where it wasn't clicking. But then they turned it around and they did click from 19-3 down to 23-22. Yeah. That's a hell of a swing. Yeah, they shut him out of the game. And it was, well, it was frustrating because um, Cardiff didn't look banging. Cardiff looked perfectly beatable, but in the first half, things just weren't clicking. But then they clicked. And I think some of the, the subs that came on really brought good energy to that game. The penalties? Benetton gave away about 10 penalties in the first half and only four in the second half. It almost exactly mirrors what happened in the score. Yeah, they shut him out. They shut Cardiff out of the game and they came back with some vengeance and I was genuinely impressed that they managed to do that. I don't know what was said in the changing rooms, but something got said. And um, yeah, I was thoroughly impressed with their line speed. They weren't making the silly mistakes of the first half. A completely different team in the case of 15 minutes at the sheds. It was mental. Yeah, I mean, in the second half, Cardiff scored three points. Uh, you think that you're going in at half time with them already at the 22 score, but they missed that kick. 
two two posts. Yeah, De Beer and Jacob both hit the posts. Both hit the posts. So a fair amount of points left out there. But yes, in the end, second half, they get three points. That's all they get. And we we surmount and come back. And I thought a couple of the super subs who came on in the second half, um, Albanoz brought such great energy to that game. Scored a fantastic try. A fan- superb try. I, I, to this day, am so, so, so gutted for him that he didn't get picked for Argentina. I think he's fantastic. But as Eddie pointed out, he is still quite young. I didn't realise this. He looks older than he is. He's 26. So, you know, keep on it. And uh, at the age of 30, he will see him in 2027 in an Argentina shirt, I'm sure. But yeah, superb try. Um, And both teams spent a lot of time kicking. But Benetton, up until Albanoz came on, never really felt like they were competing in the air for any of these kicks. So I was totally made to eat my words when I was like, well, what's the point? We're not even competing for it. And then Albanoz plucks one out the air and sprints the distance. My other super sub, who wasn't a super sub, was the return of the beautiful Lucchese, who was subbed off and then had to be subbed back on when there was an injury. And I think he did more, much more than was ever expected of him. He was superb and it's so great to have him back so lucchese's been missing forever yeah he's been out for months and months and months and months and months he missed the world cup he would have been italy's number two first game back he's on and then they control his minutes they take him off at a sensible time but then two (laughs) minutes after him going off his replacement gets knocked out wasn't foul play it was just a, I think, an unfortunate elbow to the back of the head in contact. But anyway, that means that um, Bernasconi unfortunately has to leave the pitch. And he was not in a good state, not in a no. good state. So he couldn't sit up. He was wobbling in the Cardiff second row. Didn't know what to do. It was like someone who's never seen a baby before when they're walking. And you're sort of not sure if you should hold them or not hold them or <laughs> support them or not support them. He was like, should I support the head? Should I hold him under the arm? He's looking around for help. Is someone going to come and get this guy? (laughs) Um, Yeah. But then, so two minutes after going off, you know, he's barely swallowed his orange. And then (laughs) Lucchese's back on. And he was even better when he came on. So there must be lots of sugar in that orange slice because he was a phenomenal force when he came on. But considering he's been out for how many months? Almost, it feels like almost a year. We should, I'm not sure exactly, but it does feel like he got injured very early in last year's season. So it's been a long time. A brilliant performance from him. I think it must be really hard because once you're subbed off, you don't think you're going to go back on, right? Like you're done. You've put your jacket on, you're eating your orange slice and that's it. I think front rows are more used to going back on because they might have to go on for various reasons. But he didn't have any time to sit down. He was off and back on. But one thing I would like to know just about the Benetton squad in general, obviously they have all their, most of their internationals away. They snuck one or two in here. They had Zuliani on and Ferrari. And Zani, actually. Zani came back on. So they had about 15 first team players missing because yeah. not only do they have all the Italian internationals missing, they've also got Fekatoa missing, who is yet to make his Benetton debut. They also had, obviously, Tommaso Gaggio missing, who's the Argentina number one. So they had lots of players missing, but the players that they did have really did the business in the second half. But more importantly, the thing I want to focus on is that last year, Benetton only won in the BKT URC one game away from home, and that was against Ospreys. They lost every game away from home in the BKT URC except for one. Well, they beat Zebre, but I mean outside of Italy. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we're we're one game into this season and they've already matched their 2023 away out of Italy record for wins. And you know they would have spoken about that. You know they would have gone, that's what we need to do. Last year, our mission was to make Stadio Manigo and Treviso an absolute fortress, and they did that. No one goes there expecting a win. Maybe the top, top sides go there expecting to win, but they expect to really have to fight it out. On the road, though, when Benetton come to you, it's a different story. People kind of relax and they think, we should win this one. That's not the case now. And I think the personnel make a big difference. So Ellie Snyman, who left Benetton to go to Leicester Tigers, has now chosen to leave Leicester Tigers to go back to Benetton. And he's been made Benetton captain. He is not afraid of playing on UK slash Ireland soil. Right. After playing for Leicester Tigers, he's got that experience. Cardiff, Cardiff, Cardiff is Welsh soil. Obviously, I'm just talking about the BKT in general. Oh, I see. Um, Uren, you know, what, over 100 caps for Bristol. Again, he's got the experience to be able to travel around. Jacob Umanga, who was there last year, and other ones, some of their key, key players now are not afraid of playing away. They haven't got that mental gap that they lose when they get on a plane. So to see that in the first game, to get those four points, it's almost double points for Benetton. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They needed a win. They needed to start the season with an away win. And I think there's also a part of it, which is like new year, new me, right? Like, okay, even if they didn't have these new players, I think they would have approached it with a different mentality. But I do think like psychology just plays into this stuff so badly and they needed to shake off those demons. And luckily with the extra new players who don't have those demons, it's easier to come back and and not crumble under the weird psychological pressure of we can't win away from home. But they needed to win this game, which is why those final couple of minutes were so desperately intense and important for Benetton. You know what's great about psychology? Go on. It's free. <laughs> it's free. It costs nothing. Yeah, but you still have to learn it. Like, yeah, but it's free. It's just all in your head. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> what's the cost of psychology? Nothing. Actually, I'd argue that <clears throat> getting a psychologist <throat> is actually quite expensive. <laughs> No, not with, you know, not with our sponsors, better help. <laughs> online counselling. Have you, did you say that? Because basically every podcast is sponsored by better help. We should get on them. Everyone, every podcast. Everyone. Or Huel. <laughs> Fuck off or with the Huel. Brilliant. No, but better help. I mean, they must have an insane budget because they are, they sponsor every podcast. Yeah. Well, podcasts loss, but... will just plug it for nothing. Not nothing, nothing. But <laughs> no, Anyway, we'll get on that. Next time we'll be there. We've just given them free promo, so they're yeah. not going to ever sponsor <laughs> us. But apparently psychology is free. <laughs> Basically, what you're saying is like manifest. They just need to manifest that they're going to win. And yeah, they need win. to read that book. What's that book? The Secret. Where they manifest. It's free. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> You get out of bed one morning and you just go, no, today's going to be a good day. That was free. Yeah, no, you're right. But what, so they weren't doing it last year? They they were thinking the opposite? Maybe they just didn't work out that it, you know, it was free. That's free. And they could just go, I can choose how to feel today. I think there's something in that. And how are you feeling today, Coach? Well, as you can tell by my voice, I'm probably a bit hungover from last night. Uh, we're recording this after the events of the semi-final with England versus South Africa. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I decided to wear an England shirt into a bar. So everyone wanted to talk to me about rugby and it was an exhausting evening. Sounds like fun. Yes. Did they assume uh, your position? Yes. Um, I was asked um, if I was a prop, which I'd never been a prop, never been in a scrum, um, <laughs> been at the bottom of a few malls, but um, I'm starting to think whether I ever was a winger and uh, I'm questioning everything right now because I don't know if I am actually who I say I am. International man of mystery. Is he even a coach? Well, he's not. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, psychology is free. Um, that's what coach has written in his notebook to tell the players this season. He's just gone manifest this shit. It's free. We're going to win away from home. Yeah? It is. It's a racket. But winning away from home is essential. They did it in the first bloody game. That sets the tone. Well, and and here's it. Here's the, my point. The end of that game, we can look at that tackle on tackle. Can you even call it a tackle on Ferrari? But at that point, it's in Benetton's hands to win that game or to lose that game in the exact same way that the Zebra game, which we'll look at, it was in their hands whether they were going to win it or they were going to lose it. As Coach says, psych- psychology is important because I think Zebra crumbled because they're not used to winning. Well, they're very much out of practice of winning. And Benetton stepped up and Jacob made a kick that was a massive kick and it was an important kick and they won the game. Um, Both of those instances, in my opinion, come down to psychology. Yeah, I think they do. I think they do. Zebre were, I think, a better side than Ulster on the day. The rugby they played was brilliant. Yeah, it is psychology, like the difference between winning and losing that game. In both of those instances... It came down to just, like, taking your shots and not taking your shots. Speaking about taking shots... That hit on Ferrari. I just want to say a few things about this. So later on in the game, Ferrari, the Italian prop, is clocked in the face with a hard shoulder by Kieran Parker. Ferrari's completely knocked out. He's unconscious before he hits the floor. His head bounces off the grass like he'd just gone eight rounds with Muhammad Ali. It's an obvious red card. Everyone knows it's an obvious red card. And Parker won't be playing rugby again for a while. That penalty led to the opportunity for Jacob Amanga to then take the three points for Benetton to then steal the win. Rant incoming. Watching the game, the commentator's initial reaction was to defend their fellow Welsh player. He's not actually Welsh, he's English. But the player who played for Cardiff. They said things along the lines of, Oh, well, it looks like he hit him in the armpit first. They said, oh, well, it would be a great hit if he was just a little bit lower. And I just don't really think that's acceptable. Via play, I understand it's the English-speaking platform to watch these games. So most people watching it will be watching and supporting the Welsh sides, the Irish sides, the Scottish sides. I understand that. But it's not actually Cardiff's own platform. It is the platform that's showing all the games and meant to be representing everyone. It's a shame. I think there's a level of bias which is actually detrimental to the BKTURC. And if I was working for the BKTURC, I'd want to call it out and say, guys, you're being so biased, you're actually damaging our product because you're making the games less fun. There's being slightly one-sided and then there's being like actually dangerously having a narrative that almost verges on dangerous because to say it's a shame that if he just dropped a couple of extra centimeters it would have been a great hit i think it's one of the worst head-on heads i've i've seen 
that could have been like life changing. So that goes against everything that world rugby are trying to do, stamping out head injuries. It was exactly the kind of hit that would stop parents wanting their kids playing the sport. It's exactly the kind of hit that needs to be completely taken out of the game. And to hear them trying to justify it, defend it, and also, by the way, not even asking or talking about Ferrari's well-being during all of this. It's not a great look. And unfortunately, this weekend as well, it wasn't the only example of this, what I like to call, biased punditry. Because before the Zebra game, I won't mention any names, uh, but there was a, a Northern Irishman, a Scotsman and a Welshman standing on the side of a pitch talking about a rugby game. And they were so disparaging about Zebra, and they were so basically insulting about Zebre. And yes, Zebre haven't had the best record in terms of wins, but it's marketing, guys. It's you're there, you're paid to be there to represent a league and to try and sell it and to get numbers up and to get bums on seats and to raise viewing figures. And if you just sit there and basically say that these guys aren't very good and it's going to be a 40 point smashing and there's almost no point Zebre turning up, well, what does that do? for the product. And what do the people that pay you think about that? It blows my mind. It's, in my humble opinion, it's not professional. It's absolutely not advertising the league in its best light. And also, it was complete bollocks, because then Zebre lost it at the death and got two bonus points from the game. So all their predictions about it being a 40-point smashing were completely wrong. And I guarantee they haven't watched Zebra's pre-seasons. I guarantee they actually haven't looked up who these new players are. They don't care. They're not interested. They're just there. You might as well replace their microphones with pom-poms for whoever the Irish, Welsh or Scottish side happens to be playing that week. And if the BKT don't sort it out, well... It's not good for the league. Let's just put it that way. It's really not good for the league. It's just, again, it's lazy commentary. It's just deeply lazy commentary. And They're lazy. They're lazy yeah. and they're biased. And it needs to change because it is actually, if anything's going to ruin the URC, it's that kind of punditry. They should be celebrating all these teams. I agree. And not just supporting their own team. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You could listen to it. Oh, what a hypocrite. I'm not paid to do this, right? <laughs> but they are paid to do that. Yeah, and as you say, if I'm if I'm a fan, a, a neutral who wants to go along and watch a game, I'm not going to go watch Zebra Ulster. I'm not going to put that game on because I've just heard that apparently it's going to be a walkover, a 40-point walkover. And then you turn around, you look at the final result, and you're like, whoa, what did I miss? Anyway, so yes, that hit on Ferrari was brutal. It was it was it actually made me feel sick. Um, but the good news is we posted well wishes after the game, saying I hope he's okay. And he replied quite quick quickly afterwards, saying thanks so much for the support, guys. I'm all good. So thank God, because honestly, I I thought like that could end your career. That sort of a hit. But there you go. But then Jacob had to step up and take those three points to win the game, and then they had what? a minute left at the restart and and they 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 showed composure they did the opposite of what happened in parma 80 minuti in 2 minuti and zevre parma are hosting ulster in the opening game of the bkt urc 
Five minutes in, and Zebra Palmer have a penalty. They go to the corner. Maul. Maul has been a problem for them in the past, but it looked good in preseason. It hits the deck, and it's motoring forward and over the line, and it's a try for the new Zebra Palmer captain, Giovanni Lacata. Now it's Ulster's turn. A penalty, a maul, but they spread it across the backs, and after some hammer and tong, Mike Lowry goes over in the middle. Now Zebra attack. It's wide, it's tight, there's some clever hands in the middle, and Giovanni Lacata, the number eight, is over. But Mike Lowry isn't finished. He scores another one at the other end, two for the winger. But Lorenzo Pani won't be outdone either, so he goes right back the other end. Four minutes later, steps past Lowry to score in the corner. Then Jacob Stockdale scores, ploughing down the middle. Then the final play of the half, a crossfield kick, Prischiantelli and Scott Gregory, the new guy from New Zealand, dies on it to score. Half-time score, Zebre Palmer 26, Ulster 21. The second half. And we're off. One minute in and Zebre Palmer are back at it. Some lovely connections and Simona Jesse scores, taking three Ulster defenders with him. 31-21. But they then leave a massive defensive hole open and Ulster tap down. And now another one. Stocktail is in in the corner. And another one from Tom Stewart. It's now 31 points to 40. Is this it? Is it over? No. Simona Jesse scores again. Zebre Palmer have almost done it. Now. Zebra Palmer attack and attack and attack. They end up in the corner. Scrum down, scrum penalty. Another one, scrum down, scrum penalty. Another one, scrum down, scrum penalty. Zebra Palmer showing absolute dominance. And then, finally, the penalty is given and the yellow card is given. But then, Zebra Palmer tap to go. Don't know why. And all of a sudden, two phases in, they knock it on. And the game is over. And Zebra Palmer, 36, Ulster. 40 in the opening game of the BKT URC. Yep, yep, it was, uh, I was furious. I was so upset and I, I channeled that energy into then cracking straight into the Benetton game. And, oh, it was, it was theirs for the taking, Zebre, and um, they didn't take it. I honestly think it was harder to lose that game in the end and the way in which they played and how they got to those final three minutes of play. I think it was harder to lose than it was to win it. They got to channel some free psychology, coach. It's free. It's free. <laughs> and I'm going to make t-shirts saying psychology, it's free. But it's not. It's not. It's not. Getting therapy free. is really expensive. No, they don't need therapy. They just need an attitude realignment or whatever those <laughs> psychologists say. Maybe if you paid them, you could find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, it's free. <laughs> Here's the thing. Zebra have had a massive, massive sort of off-season rebranding, new purchases. It's all super exciting. New kit, new logo. I'm excited to go out there and, and experience it. Now they just need to break these negative streaks. The losing streak. The, the Yeah, it's just the losing streak, really. Zebre scored six tries against Ulster, who last year had the best defence in the league. Yeah. They scored multiple, multiple penalties at scrum time with two different front rows. They scored tries through rolling malls. Yeah. They scored tries through the wings. 
They scored tries through forwards crashing over. Mm -hmm. It was a well-rounded game when they had the ball. In defence, they left too many holes. Yeah. The Ulster ran through. If they can fix that, they will be very, very good. Unfortunately, this is how last season started for Zebra yeah. with a losing bonus point against Leinster. The difference was that that one was sort of flash in the pan, wonderful tries from the whippets running around. Whereas what they did this time was in every facet of play, when Zebra had the ball, they looked dominant to Ulster. Yeah, I think that's a really important observation because uh, obviously we commented saying heartbreaking, but this is this can be the season that they turn it around. And we've had people kind of say, yeah, but think about how they started last season. They started just as strong, like nearly beating Leinster in their first game. But I think that's a really good point. The difference now is that it feels like everything in attack is working, like from all parts of the pitch, from all players on the pitch, forwards, backs. They need to sort out their defence, especially out on the wings. They were just letting them run through, leaking way too much in terms of defence. It was basically ping pong rugby for the whole of that first half. Zebra scored, then Ulster scored, then Zebra scored, then Ulster scored, then Zebra scored, then Ulster scored. But if they tighten up their defence, especially out on the wings, if they if they if they made more kicks, they left a lot of points out there on their kicks. Unfortunately, I mean, Prishantelli started really strong with the kicks, and then it all just sort of started to fall apart. And he must have left about ten points out there. Yeah, they would have won if they, he made his kicks. Difficulty is, lots of those kicks were from the corner. Yeah. In terms of defence, Zebre missed 12 tackles to Ulster's 13. So they actually missed less tackles than Ulster. But Ulster had seven clean line breaks to Zebre's two. So it's not so much that they can't individually make the tackles, even though I think on the wings there are a couple of tackles that were missed pretty easily. Soft, yeah. It's the, the holes, Ulster finding clean holes and bursting through them. Zebre kicked the ball way more than they used to. They played rugby in the right areas. They kicked 947 metres, which for them is huge. In fact, they kicked more metres than Ulster. And here's a fact for you, which last season would blow your head off. The entire game, Zebre Palmer conceded six penalties. That. 80 minutes of rugby against Ulster, Zebre Palmer conceded only six penalties. Blows your mind, that stat. That's incredible. So if they can keep that up, that's the difference. If they can keep that kind of thing up, then they can win. The aim for Zebra this year needs to be win a few games, don't finish last. Yeah. Unfortunately, this one, they didn't win it. That's annoying. It's gutting. They really could have, should have won it. Yeah. But two points, that's enough to secure that they're not going to be bottom of the table for the next few weeks. So they're going to be mm -hmm. some other poor sod out there is going to lose a couple of games in a row. But they need to turn it around at the end. Like they're just mentally, psychology is free. What happened at the end there, their scrum was so dominant. They gave four scrum penalties in the last three minutes in the exact same spot. I kind of am a bit like, well, it took him long enough to go to his pocket and give that yellow card because it happens once, it happens twice, it happens three times. Like, it ha come on now. So at the fourth time, finally pulls the yellow card out. Then the issue was that if they wanted to scrum again, they'd have to go to uncontested scrums because the person who got... No, it wasn't that. They brought, they brought a tight head on. I think the issue was, I've watched it a couple of times to try and figure it out because the decision-making here was weird. So to paint a picture, Zebre are on 
the five meter line, right on Ulster's try line, far left hand corner, and they get three scrum penalties in a row. Eventually, the last one of those, well, no, it's four in the end, four scrum penalties. The last one, the ref goes to his pocket. My main problem is that he doesn't let them play advantage. The ball's at the back of the scrum and he just blows it before they can pass it and have their free shot, which they're entitled to do. Yeah. He doesn't let them do that. There must be a reason for that because he did it the other three times. But the fourth one, he decides no. I think it's because he went to his pocket. I think in his head, he's like, well, no, I have to give a yellow card now and just forgot to let them play the... That's how... Because I can't... It was totally bizarre. And yeah. I don't understand why it was the case. And I think that was a big problem Yeah. for Zebra. Yeah, because you don't get a free play, basically. Ulster got a yellow card. That guy goes off. They then, then did bring the other tight head back on. So they did change their tight head. But then Zebra go for a, a tap and go instead of the scrum, which is a bizarre call because yeah. the scrum was so functioning so well. They'd also already scored tries from their rolling maul. Yeah. So they could have done that. And by going for the tap and go, there's no penalty advantages. There's no safety net. And, and they, they lost it forward. I think the reason they might have done that was because their fly half had just had to go off injured. And that meant because they had to reshuffle the squad before the game, they had a debutant scrum half on who was getting his first touch of the ball in the BKT URC. They had to move Fusco, their other scrum half, out to 10. So I think the forwards went, right, well, we can't trust the backs to do this because they've been jumbled up so much. So let's just tap and go. We'll keep it under our shirts and try and drive over the line because we have dominance. Yeah, well, it was a stupid, stupid decision. It didn't work. It wasn't the right decision. But as John Barkley said, that's the kind of thing when you get into those positions more and more and more, you learn from those mistakes. And Zebra haven't been in a that position very much so that's why they made those mistakes but it was just a decision mistake yeah i mean i i honestly thinking about it whenever teams choose to tap and go over a scrum over a line out i never really get it because it i i would honestly thinking about it i mean i don't have stats to hand i'm just basing this off of my gut of what i remember i feel like it's pretty 50 50 at tap and go Whereas a line out is in your favour, a scrum is in your favour, but a tap and go, very often you fuck it up. If your line out's not functioning, but Zebra's line out was functioning. It was fine, yeah. It was just, it was infuriating because I really think that game was easier to win than it was to lose in the end there. But there you are. I think this season can be a bit of a turnaround. Brackets needs to be a bit of a turnaround for them because they have been the punching bag for too long. But I think they will. I think they'll turn it around. And we're going to go out and see them in a couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to drinking. I say spritz. I don't think you get much spritz in Palmer out of those fancy new Zebra cups. Be beer at the stadium and then spritz or cocktails around the town. Wherever we go, there's spritz. <laughs> it comes to us. It's not, you know, we don't let the situation dictate our spritz love. And niche for anyone listening in, but we went to a restaurant a couple of days ago in London and found a place that serves Select. And any of our Veneto Italian listeners will know that's a aperitivo you only really get around Venice. Yeah. And we found it at a restaurant in London. So So... Gloria in Shoreditch does Select. We had a Select Spritz, obviously far more expensive than it would be in Treviso. Dangerously overpriced, but delicious. But it was the novelty of it. Yeah. Yeah. So if any of you listen to us from London and you're craving a select spritz, go to Gladia. It was And great. if anyone doesn't know what a select is, it's an aperitivo, which is 
not as bitter as Campari, but not as sweet as Aperol. It sits in the middle. It's perfect. Yeah. Bit too much juniper. <laughs> Is that your feedback for them? When they sponsor us, we can give them our feedback. They could sponsor us. They're a very classy company. Just like us. Mm, just like <laughs> us. <laughs> so, yes, Zerbre, come on. The difference from this year to last year, in summary is that it looks like it's not just flashy backs scoring. It looks like they've got power and threats everywhere. And hopefully they turn it around. Yes. And the forwards will get more powerful when Fischetti is back. Oh, yeah. When Pelledri is back. And the backs defence hopefully will get more solid when Marisi is back. Yep, yep, yep. No, it's exciting. Um, in other news, uh, the women are down in South Africa. They've got two wins on the trot now. They beat Japan last weekend, 28-15, after the, in a friendly, a, pre-match, uh, a pre-tournament friendly a couple of weeks before that, they lost to Japan by one point. So they started strong, and then they played South Africa this weekend and beat them, 36-18. So I think they're doing very well. Moving yeah, on. That's really good. <laughs> no, I was distracted. That is, yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, unfortunately, I, I, I've struggled to find the game. So I'll have to see if, if they're showing them somewhere or maybe they're streaming them. But um, I've only been able to kind of catch up with the highlights and stuff. I know that they're showing the World 15 because they're split into three groups, like the top, the middle and one, two, three. Italy are playing in the two, but I think they should win it. So here we go. Well, fingers crossed. What made Coach mad? This week. Well, again, not invited um, to another international adventure for the t- for the Spritz and Scrum team. Um, to be fair, I wasn't invited either. I just want to put my hand up. Well, at least he ran it past you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this weekend sounded great, and you know. I, I wish I was there. Tell Did, us, but but you tell had plans, coach, didn't you? Didn't you have things to do? That's true. I had friends to see, um, in different parts of the country. I was also quite ill, but yeah, why don't you, why don't you tell us about your big weekend, Eddie? <laughs> well, since you asked, <laughs> um, a friend of mine works for the URC with BKT, who are the title sponsors of the URC, the BKT URC. And uh, the BKT very kindly gave him two hospitality tickets to Ireland, Scotland. And because of my natural charm and charisma, he chose to take me. So over we went to France to see Ireland, Scotland. We stopped off in Lille on the way to catch some of the England atmosphere. Uh, Lovely. And then moved on up to Paris, where we were treated to some of the finest food and champagne in our private lounge at the Stade de France or the Stade uh, Saint-Denis, as they're calling it for the World Cup, because they're not allowed to call it the Stade Francais because they're not allowed to have a national title of a stadium. So it can't be the Stade de France. For the World Cup, it's officially Saint-Denis. To not make it more important than the others? No, just because it's, yeah, to make it a neutral, it's officially a neutral stadium. So when uh, France play there, they have to, they're not necessarily the home side. They might be the away side. Uh, so it can't be called the Stade de France. It I has see, to be I that. Saint Denis. Uh-huh. Uh, that makes sense. Is, I have wondered why they called it that. Yeah. 
I thought that was interesting. That is. Uh, anyway, so we were there having a great time. The Irish fans outnumbered the Scottish fans by about 20 to 1. The noise in the stadium was unlike anything I've heard in the stadium. I don't know if anyone lives in London listening to this, but when you're on the tube going underneath Pimlico, it gets annoyingly loud. It hurts your ears. That's how loud it was. It was actually almost painful at times how loud the Ireland, 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 with that open vowel sound, which they can really belt out, hurts the ears. Um, But yeah, phenomenal. Drank a lot of champagne, drank a lot of beer, ate a lot of amazing food, went out, watched the game. The game was very interesting. Um, Half time went in, started chatting to this lovely man. I've seen him before, uh, Jared, the rugby guy from Instagram. Had a couple of beers with him. That was fantastic. And then went out to watch the second half, came back in, ate some more, drank some more, and then went to go hang out on a table with him people he was with it's fantastic then about 12 o'clock his mate turned up who had been busy working there his mate was Stuart Hogg he joined us had some beers with him and then uh, off we went out into Paris and uh, we were out till about 6 a.m in the morning I've got to say the rugby guy Jared is one of the nicest nicest he's just like he is on social media you couldn't meet a nicer lovelier chat uh, Stuart Hogg very very Scottish lovely lovely guy in his Scottishness um and then uh, staggered home uh late at night um, um and messaged me and coach at about 6 a.m saying we'd been replaced yep totally replaced it's got two new best friends the low it? light though coach you'd probably like this was i found myself on the streets of paris when we left the lounge they gave us these uh, mini rugby balls that had ireland versus scotland world cup rugby balls but miniature and um we're outside the hotel waiting to go out. And um, Hoggy, as I can call him now, he's, you know, great, great mate of mine. Get me on. Anyway, he was, he was suddenly like, I really want to spiral kick this ball down this alley. And there was a narrow alley. And it's just like something our friend Ed would want to do. Um, but it wasn't Ed. It was Stuart Hogg. And I said to him, I said, well, if anyone can do it. And he interrupted me and went, it's fucking me. <laughs> so I went down the other end of the alleyway and this was a highlight you know him spiral kicking this ball down to me and then me throwing it back but it's a very narrow alleyway and there's a building site on one side with those metal fence and balconies and so you know this ball could get lost at any second and it comes to me and I'm a bit far away and I throw the first one back that's fine but I'm getting nervous about how narrow this alley is and i don't want to be the dickhead that ruins this game so the second time i try and throw it like an american football but i'm nervous about cocking it up so i don't give enough energy into the throw and it only goes about two-thirds of the way there and then i just hear in the distance what was that that was shit that was shit and then my mate yeah, that was really, and that was my low light. Being told that I had a shit throw by Stuart Hogg. It's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's Sounds what happens great. when Eddie goes out without us, coach. Yeah. 
I also told him later on that uh, the the words of the Scottish national anthem are lazy. Uh, he took it very well. I, I, I described what I meant. I was like, you can't rhyme a word with itself. It's not impressive. It's lazy. It's a first draft job. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, uh, those days are past now and in the past. Like, You've just repeated the same word twice. It's not Is a it... rhyme. It's just a repetition. They're not Eminem, Eddie. <laughs> But he took it very well. Uh, uh, so, yeah, there we are. And so a big shout out to uh, the rugby guy. It was one of the best nights out I've ever had. Yeah. Uh, and the Eddie, Irish fans were totally on form. Um, Eddie came back a broken man, but a happy, happy broken man. Very, and very happy broken man. The other day he was like, oh, and then at one point a bunch of sort of, they must have been Scottish players kind of came to the bar and, and they were a bit down in the dumps. And, and so I started giving one of them like real life advice, like really consoling him. And I was like, you know, you're gonna have a great long career, still like a long career ahead of you, but I don't know who he was. And then there was a video the other, like on TikTok or something. And he was like, oh, it was this guy. Do you wanna know who it was, coach? Mm. It was, it was Topolotti. <laughs> he took my wisdom very seriously. Toe Pilotu is who Eddie gave life advice to and didn't I know told him. Was. I said, you guys aren't done yet. <laughs> Until this was about year. this was this was the early hours. And we said the early hours. We only left the stadium at midnight, so it was the, the later of the early hours or the earlier of the later hours. But a ten out of ten weekend. Eleven out of ten. So really you should ask your friend to invite you to another one. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I've proved I'm charming and charismatic enough. Yeah. How do you feel, coach? Yeah, great. Yeah, sounds, sounds sounded fun. <laughs> and that's what made Coach Mad this week. <laughs> Well, there we are. We've had, yeah, we've had a little bit of time off and I feel a bit bad because we've obviously, um, we recorded an episode and then never put it out there, but we've been very busy. As you've just heard, Eddie's been living his best life with, um, with Hoggy. With my mates. <laughs> we've been replaced. Um, but we're back and it's season two of Spritz and Scrums, guys. We've made it through a season. We arbitrarily decided it was season two time, but new season of Club Rugby felt like the time to, to start a new season of us. Yes, and it was a good start. Benetton winning on the road and Severe, two points, not bad, but a huge improvement. A huge improvement. Now it's just about getting that that breaking that loss record of 26 games on the trot 18 months since they've won a game i think they can do it they've got to do it right well until next time when we next speak alongside obviously commenting on these next couple of club games uh the world cup will be over it's been a good one we've enjoyed it i've enjoyed it the quarterfinals more fun probably than the semis but we'll finish it on this who do you think is going to win the world cup Eddie? I don't know. I think maybe <laughs> South Africa. 
I was wrong before. I don't know. I think maybe South Africa will do it. But they've had such a tough time. They've had such a tough time. Even England really pummeled them. They get one less day than New Zealand. New Zealand didn't really get tested against Argentina. So it's almost like they've had two weeks preparation for it. New Zealand will be fresher. Coach, who are you putting your money on? New Zealand, 100%. They don't even look like they played the same sport. (laughs) They're so good. Well, it'll be fun. Are you all going to look watch the uh, the bronze medal match? Mm. Are you looking forward to that one? It's, 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 it's a, it's a banana skin because England be absolutely battered after their heroic effort against South Africa. And Argentina will really have two points to prove. One, because they lost to England in the group stages and two, because they were pretty much embarrassed against New Zealand. So they'll be up for it. And England need to make sure that they are up for it. But I think it's mentally tough to put yourself in that that space. But so it's still a, a game worth watching, which is the point of, you know, hyping up these games, because now I'm interested in watching it. If you'd said, no, it's going to be boring and neither team's going to show up and it'll be a bit of a walkover for England, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I can be bothered. But it's all in the narrative. And you've painted a narrative that makes me want to watch that game. Great. There we go. Thank you all for listening. Arrivederci. Ciao. Like and subscribe. Ciao a tutti. Hoggy kicked that ball into the building site, by the way.